Good afternoon and welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. My name's Todd Greer and we're thrilled to have you with us. We're here today talking about the importance of organizational climate. Before we get into that discussion, I want to remind you of a couple really important things. If you're enjoying the conversation that we have today, you can follow us on Thursday on Twitter at hashtag nonprofitchat. Mike Mahan, our guest today, will be joining us for that chat. We'll be talking more in depth about what organizational climate looks like in your organization, how you can measure it, how you can understand it, and how you can grow your environment there. Also want to remind you that we have a new issue of Nonprofit Performance Magazine that's out right now. That's Nonprofit Performance Magazine. Peter Sims is our cover feature and we're excited to have Peter uh, as the feature for that issue. Uh, is it always, if you ever have a desire to go back and see our archived uh, events, you can go to centervisionleadership.org slash hangouts to see previous events. We are, again, like I said, we're thrilled today to have a, a wonderful guest, Dr. Mike Mahan. He is in joining us today to talk about organizational climate. Welcome, doctor. How are you? Hi, thanks. I'm great. Glad to be here today. Glad to have you with us. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your What's your background? I know You've got some experience all over the board. We've talked about you're a, a pastor, a professor, you're a consultant. Tell us a little bit more about your background for those at home that might not know you yet. Okay, well, like you said, I'm a little bit of everything. Uh, I guess I, I grew up doing construction work and things like that. I moved into pastorate, and uh, but I've always been interested in, in scholarship uh, and really got involved in organizational leadership, which I found as a lot of the things we taught in leadership and practice were so much uh, so, so practical, sometimes even more than some ministry things I, I've been trained in. So that pushed me into organizational leadership perspective and consulting and, and teaching and a lot of other things. A little bit different from uh, the, you know, the, the pastorate, a little bit different from that kind of calling. Absolutely. And Mike, uh, you have in, in your PhD and in your research that's followed it, you focused very uh, intently on this construct that is organizational climate. We're going we're gonna to touch in on that in just a second, but I think what's really interesting about this topic is in many ways it's one that our nonprofit world, educational institutions, religious institutions, uh, charities, and other foundations, they tend not to hear a lot about. We hear a lot about organizational culture. And, and now when we're talking about climate, we're talking about something that's different. Could you tell us what is this idea of organizational climate? Organizational climate is what culture feels like to the people within the organization or climate. So it, it's kind of a, a shared ideal. It, it, we say it belongs to an individual, but it tends to be shared across the organization or even people that come into a any kind of business, any kind of nonprofit. So it's how we as individuals perceive that as a very effective dimension of the organization. And when you say effective, you, you're referring to, if I understand correctly, affective, right? The, the A of the effective effect that we always screw up when we're writing things grammatically, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I've spoken Italian for most of the last 20 years, so I pronounce things a little different than most folks in the States at this point. 
But yeah, the, the the emotional attachment, the way that our perceptions of the thing, not what it actually produces, but what how does this feel to me? What does this mean to me and how do I pick up on things? Great, great. Um, you say that and you lay it out, and, and I guess my, my follow-up question to that is, why does organizational climate matter to nonprofits? Uh, I think this is very important indicator to nonprofits. Uh, let's start with for-profits. I think that one of the easiest ways to recognize uh, the, the value of uh, organizational climate is going to the store or, or going to church or anything. Let's just say go to a store. Now, I noticed this years and years ago, certain uh, supermarkets, the, the people were very, very friendly or not friendly at all. And uh, I determined whether I want to go buy coffee, the bars I want to go to to, to drink coffee, or even a supermarket, according to the, how friendly people at the registers are, are, are the service people. So that's, that's, a, that's a big climate dimension. Now, this is important for nonprofits, especially those of us who uh, we have volunteers. It's volunteers are motivated not by money. They're either motivated by the mission or the climate that's created within the organization. What, what's going to lift them up, what's, what they're going to get out of it personally, how they invest themselves. So that's why it's very important for nonprofits, especially for churches. Uh, I'm, I'm from the pastor uh, kind of background, so that's why it's been big to me, and this is why I originally got into climate, just going into so many different places, knowing, noticing. Sometimes you just say, this place feels weird. Something's not right here, and I would like to leave. <laughs> From a pastor's point of view, we never want that to happen, but in a lot of churches, this does happen. But the same can, thing can be true for nonprofit organizations. Uh, it's something that, that tends to keep clients or even keep our workers there beyond even those that are paid. You know, that doesn't last for a couple of years, uh, being motivated by, uh, by pay, but other things that keep the people there to have to relate to the climate, what it feels like to them, how it is to go to work, if they like it or not, and, uh, friendship, and a lot of other things that are there in the organization. Mike, that's such a, a unique thing. I think we all can identify with what you're talking about. We've all had that experience of walking into any kind of an organization, whether we're talking about a, a, a retail business or a nonprofit industry like a church or, or even a chamber of commerce or other places, and, and we know feel because feel is very personal to us. Um, when we talk about organizational climate, Mike, are we also talking about, particularly for our nonprofit world, are we talking about things like, well, hey, if if donors don't feel welcome, they're not likely to continue donating, or if volunteers don't feel needed or accepted or welcome that they're not likely to do that? Oh, exactly, exactly. So that's why it's one of the big things for both volunteers and people that contribute. A uh, sense of community is one of our big indicators of, uh, of climate, and we create a sense of uh, community. They're con contributing, but there's other people that are with them doing what they're doing. That's a big one for, for donors. Uh, donors have the, the choice to give to anything they'd like to, so it has to be and there's a lot of places with similar missions as well. So it's not just the mission, but it's also what's cultivated them, what they're getting on a on a personal personal level uh, out of the thing. Something they feel how they're part of this organization and part of what's going on as well. That's really interesting. Uh, I was thinking just just this last Tuesday was uh, Giving Tuesday, and and if I saw correctly, I believe it was forty six million dollars 
was given to charitable organizations through the Giving Tuesday campaign. And, and I think that's such a unique thing because it's not just the biggest or oldest organizations that are going to be getting those types of, of donations and funding. It's oftentimes it's people, like you say, who create that personal connection, uh, whether we're talking about engagement or uh, like we did last week, or we're talking about that sense of feeling of how we feel towards the organization. Mike, uh, one of the things I, I've heard it said before, and I want your help on this, um, I've heard people say usually one of these two frameworks. They usually say something like, culture is the macro, climate is the micro, or, or they say, culture is the lasting and climate is the current. Are, are those things accurate? Are they true? Are, are, are those myths? I think those are all myths. I think those are all again kind of out there. They might be useful for someone, but that is not exactly what climate and culture are. Of course, culture is those things that are the, the rituals, the rites, the, the way an organization works. It could even include though how the air conditioner <laughs> is taking care of <laughs> the, the, the temperature we put in there. And all these things that create the culture, so this is the structure of how the place works. Everything about the works. And there can be social uh, ways of interaction uh, even within an organization. Any, and that's all part of the culture. But climate then is how, how we perceive that, how that feels to us. Uh, what do we take back from that? Um, and there's a lot of indicators of that um, that comes out. But no, it's not micro and macro exactly, but it's... Uh, between effective and uh, the structure that produces that. So um, there's those different things. It's, it's funny though, you mentioned the ones about, uh, about donor, uh, donors contributing to nonprofits. And uh, one of the things we usually use within uh, some of the indicators of climate is uh, performance feedback. And we throw parties and we have a lot of things for donors that are already there. And that's a form of performance feedback. To show, hey, these things are important to us. Let's be friendly about it. Let's create this climate where you know we, we appreciate you. That that is climate as a definition. Now, a structure might create that, and that's part of the culture. But the climate is what's happening then. And when you perceive that you you're appreciated in this organization, that's so interesting, um, Mike. I know that there are some structural pieces. Uh, that uh, researchers look at to analyze climate. What are what are some of the big areas? Uh, I think there are four uh, four quadrants that are primary for climate, if I'm correct. What are those pieces, and how how can we been, begin to contemplate what that looks like in our organizations? Um, there's uh, yeah, there's it's based on the. the what you, the competing values framework basically is how we get these four quadrants of. Uh, of climate. One of them is human relations, and this is where a lot of my focus is on, is on the human relations. So you talk about things like a sense of community or even friendliness, which is uh, the big one, and I actually created the indicator for this. Another one is edification, if you feel built up by being in a place or not. Um, so that deals with what we perceive as, uh, especially on a personal level, this is one that would be most important, I think, churches in particular. Uh, because anyone that comes into your place, uh, they're going to feel all the human relations uh, dimensions, um, such as the friendliness. That's the biggest one. Everyone thinks they're friendly, but most aren't necessarily <laughs> friendly. No church will say we're not friendly. They all say we're friendly, but I've been to a lot of churches, and they're not all friendly. Um, a second uh, dimension is that of internal process. 
So that has to do with uh, how, how things work and, and but what it feels like how they work. Uh, one can be formalization or formalism, uh, how, how rigid a structure is created inside the organization. Uh, like, do I have to wear a coat and tie to work? Is that what you mean? Well, that could be one of them, definitely. Uh, or it can be tradition. Like, there's a tradition that's been here so long, we maintain this tradition. Sometimes that could be good. Sometimes it can be bad. Uh, the personal feel, though, can sometimes be a restriction. Uh, it, it could create a good thing of stability, and I feel that stability, but also I, I feel restricted here. Uh, I, I went to a seminary, for example, where you had to wear, a, I think, a certain tie every day. Very restrictive for, for a lot of folks of my age. Some guys would wear the same tie every day for two years and the same shirt. It kind of stank in the end. <laughs> <laughs> but as a protest against this rigid internal process that had been created, the things work like this here. Um, that also relates a little bit to the open systems quadrant of, uh, of this framework we use. Uh, it has to do with the innovation and flexibility or even openness to change. And we perceive that directly. Uh, um, an organization that's open to change or not is going to be open to new ideas. And I'll see that directly, and that will determine some of my the way I, I act. It will relate even to other parts of climate. I think my autonomy, what I perceive as autonomy, is going to be limited because yeah, we don't do change here. That can relate to nonprofits, for profits, churches, anything. And the last, uh, the last, the, the last general quadrant of this is uh, rational goals. So the goals that are set by the, the organization how we perceive those. So we, we perceive that there's an outward focus for a nonprofit uh, pretty easily, for, for example, or even a church. This is easy to relate to churches, I think. Inward focus, we're just about teaching and dealing with the people on the inside. Outward focus, we're trying to help those that aren't members of the organization. And that could be true also for, for some other places. Uh, rational goals, could we could feel the pressure to produce. One of the goals that comes from the, the culture of places uh, High production value. Well, we feel that as pressure. Personally, is I have to produce, I have to do this, and I'm falling short. Um, of course, the quality and efficiency, some other things. So that, that's the four general um, quadrants that we deal with: human relations, internal process, open system, and rational goals. Those seem to relate a little bit also to the Kaplan and Norton's bounce scorecard uh, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So w when I hear you go through those things, one of the things that kind of triggers into my mind. I, I know that recently um, I, I've tried to be more mindful about maintaining a healthy lifestyle, making sure that I'm active and moving. And in order to do that, one of the things I've done is, well, I, I bought one of these and I, uh, I, I'm trying to measure what I'm doing. I'm trying to keep an eye on my performance. I'm trying to see what does my daily numbers look like. Uh, when it comes to climate, do you think the same thing holds true, that we don't really understand it until we start to, to measure it and we can't grow or, or gain in our performance until we measure it? No, exactly. That's exactly true. Uh, let's take the example of the friendliness. That's my favorite because it's so obvious to everyone. Friendliness, uh, and, and like the, the, the axiom, our church is friendly. Well, uh, in, in the studies I've conducted, not every church is friendly in the end. But all the pastors believe that their church is friendly. So we go to measure it, we find out this is not necessarily true. Whereas before, we're living with the myth that this works how I think it should work. Uh, there's a problem there that we don't realize. So that's that, that's a benefit of measurement and uh, well, diagnosis of anything. You have to come in and, and measure it, see what's actually happening. To, to even realize maybe this is a problem or this is something that could be uh, 
uh, improved upon, and it's going to actually give me benefits in my organization. See, this is really interesting because I think a lot of times we use feeling words, but we don't have a concrete piece to hold on to. And I think what, what you're describing here is we're talking about being able to come in and measure friendliness based upon, you know, indicators, as you put them, indicators that are there, that are present, and, and you know, whether it's a, a self-feedback assessment or uh, an assessment of people that come and visit or, or donors or whatever the, the, the um, population that we're using for the study, this is a really important thing because, again, I can say friendly, but what is friendly? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The indicators are, are very good on this. So they, we, we come in and pull everyone from the organization or our clientele, and we see exactly how they're, they're sensing these things. You know, maybe what I think is friendly, what, not what everyone else thinks is friendly. But when we quantify that and we, we get a poll of the, the population that, that we're dealing with, you know, there can be a lot of things come up, a lot of things that, need, that can be addressed effectively if we realize uh, those do exist. Mike, let me ask you quickly. Um, is it an easy thing for an organization to change its climate? I know a lot of the talk often is, well, the the culture is is pretty deep embedded into an organization because it's something that has been created over the course of a great deal of time. Is the same thing true about climate, or is climate a little bit easier to change once we can identify these pieces? Well, but I would think climate is actually harder to, to, to change than the culture okay. uh, for, for some things because uh, climate is the natural reaction of people and it generally is shared. So it's not like just one guy gets up that morning and he thinks <laughs> it feels like this. No, it's uh, across the board. People tend to, to share this. And the things I've studied, it almost always turns out that it's shared across an organization, the way they evaluate any, any of these things or being, being uplifted feeling good about the organization or being with the organization. That's an, uh, another good one, uh, indicator I worked on. And it, it's very much shared across the board, but this only comes up through, well, through two ways. One way is through the culture, uh, and one way is through the beliefs of the organization members. And that's what my specific field has gotten to be. Um, so if we want to change clim the, the climate, there's uh, usually cultural issues to deal with. Now, culture is not... A, we're, we're taught some big things in organizational leadership, right? Uh, but culture is not just the big things. Sometimes it's small things. Uh, I'm working with the organization right now, which uh, we're really worried about the, the, the uh, relational focus of some of the people in organizations, the people who are they, they work very hard. So they're being coached to be more uh, focused on people rather than being task-oriented. Mm. And the difficulty with this is there is a culture that says the things you are doing uh, these tasks are more important than almost anything that happens at this time of day. So there's a conflict between the culture and what we're trying to co uh, coach into these people in the climate. And so you notice uh, the, the, these individuals that are trying to do the best for the, the organization, they're stressed out. <laughs> they're totally stressed because they're task-oriented. They're being, by the culture, being taught to be task-oriented while we're trying to coach them to be oriented towards people and then the climate you pick up on that anyone that meets the people at certain times you know they're they, they got the funk other times of the day they're great people to hang out with so 
<laughs> and that's a, that's a climactic issue, but it comes from this culture. Now, when we create alignment with these people, uh, even in the culture, then that's going to produce probably the climate effects we want. So, so we're ultimately talking about some level of interdependence between climate and culture, or at least a sense that if we're going to try to adapt one, we have to be ready and conscious that we need to adapt the other as well. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. I think what, what's happening to most of us, we don't realize there's going to be effect, there will be strong effects on climate because of the culture we create. And we're usually not aware of all the repercussions there will be. And that's, that's tending to be the case. Because some things that seem a great idea for organizational design or structure, even procedures, they have a negative effect on climate. And we only figure that out, you know, a year or two later when we have disgruntled employees or our clientele or our donors tend to be, you know, they're falling off. Mm. What, what, um, what feedback mechanisms would you uh, suggest to organizations then to, to keep a, a better handle on whether we're talking about day-to-day -day or we're talking about week-to-week -week or month-to-month, -month, how do we better assess our, our, our climate then? Well, I'm, I'm a fan of measurement. <laughs> I like surveys. I like measuring these things. Of course, you can't do that weekly, you know. Were, were you happy at work this week? That seems kind of hokey in the end. and <laughs> may not be very effective either. Uh, but um, every three months, six months, or even a year to come in and take some uh, Take some feedback on the organizational climate. You know, we do 360-degree uh, feedback on uh, leaders, on managers, even others. Why can't we do this on climate? That might be a good idea. But we'd have to be aware of that from the start, and we'd have to be very attuned to, to looking at changes in that. Um, because climate, sometimes it will take longer to change as a result of the culture, and uh, it may be too late by the time we realize it. So that's something to definitely keep your finger on the pulse. Of course, the, the other thing that seems to be popular today is... Uh, they call it the incognito boss, where the, the guy just comes in and hangs out with everyone else for a while. That's a, that's a good way to get your finger on the pulse of everything, not just procedures, but the climate as well. Um, just find out what the people think, because uh, organizational climate is property of the people. It's not yours as the leader, and it doesn't belong necessarily just to the organization. It belongs to them. They're the ones that feel it. They're the ones that are getting it. So the only, the only way to find that out is to be with them in a way that they're going to be honest about it. Also to show this is what it feels like because to, to tell the boss, you know, our, our company seems like uh, it doesn't, uh, I don't like being here. It's something that, that throws me down. Every, I, I'm down after I leave work. That's hard to tell the boss. He probably doesn't want to hear that, so let's fix it. Social desirability, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's that's really unique because as you're saying that, I'm thinking about past experiences in which I've worked for individuals who, whether it's uh, they don't share praise uh, with the people that are part of the team, or uh, they're they're constantly looking at things. Everything is a crisis. Uh, there there's never that time for creativity. Whatever we're talking about, I think we can all identify very much with what you're talking about here. Uh, what's kind of challenging here, I, I think most often we, the, these things are swept under the rug. So we're taking them and we're sweeping them under the rug and then we don't begin to recognize there's an issue until, let me use a, a, a weather metaphor since we're talking about climate, until we have a massive storm on our hands. Is that the yeah. case, Mike? 
Yeah, I was thinking of the heart attack, personally. Okay. <laughs> if you don't know your cholesterol is 600 and feel, you know, it's too late, had five bypasses and you're barely alive, <laughs> you'll be lucky to make it another 10 years. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is, that is kind of a problem. Yeah, if they're swept under a rug, we don't pay attention to that. Of course, the problem is a lot of times we think, well, you know, we get a bad apple amongst our employees or our volunteers. That's not necessarily true when you get the climate. And maybe climate is one of the, the most important ones to say here, this is a good place where a consultant is someone that's useful, someone that people are going to trust because you know, his rules is he's not going to share this personally with the, the boss, although the boss will see, you know, what's our statistics look like on this. Um, the other, only other thing is if the, 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 the organizational leader has a best friend that <laughs> works there amongst the volunteers or some of the other, other people that, that, you know, the paid uh, employees that's actually going to be honest about it and say, you know, this is, this is what's happening. Yeah, we, we've talked in the past about the importance of, of not surrounding ourselves with uh, the, the old term yes men, uh, people yeah, who just tell us what we want to hear. Uh, and I think, I think there's something to that. Let me go back to what you just said here, though. Uh, you were talking about the importance of or, or the value of having consultants like yourself come in. And Mike, I know that you've done this with a, a number of churches. You've gone in and you've worked through assessments and, and you've helped them really kind of gauge and understand where they're at. What does that process look like for whether we're talking about a church, an educational institution, a charity, a foundation, whatever? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's, it's pretty simple. You come in and uh, some kind of introduction as to this is a guy's a consultant. He's going to be doing this for us. He wants to measure some things. and. He, it's definitely not personal. There's never any data that comes from people. It actually gets to the boss, but it's uh, information. It's uh, statistical data, and and I come in and measure it. We usually do it with the internet now. It makes it very simple. And the, the indicators we use are actually they're pretty simple. Four or five questions for the most part. I know the instruments I developed. You know, I try to get four questions. There's four questions per thing, and you usually single things out when you work with the organization. We like to work on our human relations quadrant. Uh, so you single things out. So it's not a lot of questions. It's something very easy for people to fill out. They could get on the internet for four minutes between their tweaks and fill a couple of things out, and then, then it's done. Then I run the stats and work with that, and come back to the leader and say, "This is what your your people are perceiving in the organization, and these are the things that can help that uh, specifically." And uh, that's where some of my things are interesting. There, there's some things about what people believe within the organization that highly affect uh, organizational climate. There's a couple of things like uh, when we believe an organization is a place where we can serve, that's one that has a very strong effect and also one that we believe that people are generally good. We think that people are good, there's, it has a positive effect across almost all human relations quadrants. Uh, anyway, I'm off topic there, but if you want to come back and measure it, show the show the leader. This is the measurements we've got. These are the things that we know today contribute to uh, improving these aspects of climate. And then you coach the leaders through actually doing this, and then let's come back and measure it after you know, we've been focusing on this uh, improvement. See, that's a, that's such an interesting perspective here because I think a lot of times, and I can speak as somebody who runs an executive director of a nonprofit foundation, uh, I've worked in, in a number of churches, and I've come alongside some in, in kind of that coaching fashion, uh, and I know, Mike, you've got uh, 
20 years leading a, a mission group uh, in Italy and you've uh, done a lot of work as consultants, I think a lot of times we're fearful about the allocation of funds to bring in a consultant. And so we say, well, we'll, we'll just handle everything in-house. Um, yeah. You brought up some, some really interesting things there and I see you shaking your head. Why is that something we've got to be careful about, about trying to just bring somebody in-house to do it? Well, climate, especially in-house, is a very difficult one uh, because the issue of trust and social desirability. Um, you know, some of these things will reflect negatively towards the organization. Um, so that one's very difficult. Some other things uh, that we do in organizational leadership and coaching and uh, consulting, they might be a little bit easier in-house, but this one's very difficult. I think because no one wants to hear that you know that the donors don't want to come back because we're not friendly. We don't like people, but we want their money. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hard to say that to anyone within the organization. Whereas to say it to someone else that we don't really know, and he's, he's mitigating this. Uh, actually, from a con from the point of view of conflict resolution, what do we usually like to do when there's conflict? When there's something there, we usually like to bring in a third party. Is that, that helps with the conflict between me and the other person. So this would be using conflict resolution for the consultant saying, hey, we'd like a third party to come in and say and, and help uh, help mitigate the situation because it feels like the stress gets pushed off on someone else rather than just us. It helps my relationship with the boss remain positive while uh, the consultant uh, gets the bad end of the stick. That's I appreciate that because I think that uh, it helps focus us on uh, some of the, the 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 holes and the gaps that we've got to be careful about trying to step into and hurting ourselves and our organizations. If if you were to advise somebody, whether they're bringing you in as a consultant or, or they're just saying, Mike, we we need some coaching here. Um, we we've got a, a, another you know entity here in town, a, a community foundation, another organization, whatever, uh, who we're going to have them come in and there's going to be a lot of transparency and yet uh, anonymity or, or confidentiality is, is assured. What kind of tools can we use? Are, are, there, are there certain tools that you encourage or, or that you use? Uh, of course, my, my thing, I, I try to base everything off the internet and a little bit of social media, but primarily things like uh, SurveyMonkey, SurveyGizmo, things that pretty much assure anonymity if you're using them right. So people access uh, what they can from anywhere in the world. You do it while you're at home, while you've got time. Of course, we'd rather get paid to do it, so let's do it at work um, mm -hmm. <laughs> on the company's dime. But the, these kind of tools, uh, I think there's a that's uh, something that's important now that we didn't have, you know, even 10 years ago. I think everything was pen and paper and this. It also distinguishes it a little bit from a qualitative consulting. Qualitative consulting, we want to go in and talk to people. When we talk to a person, we usually recognize their language and what issues are important to them. So it's easy to say, hey, this is John, and he really doesn't like me because I cut his pay. <laughs> so we tend to avoid the issue, whereas some of these easy surveys, you know, they don't do that. They don't reveal anything personal that make this obvious. It's a great point here, and and assessments, specific assessments that may be uh, free or or, or uh, easy access. Uh, something that you might recommend. Uh, the the big one is uh, the one from Patterson uh, and the colleagues uh, about 2005. That's that's the big one. Not everything's great in that. There are some issues with uh, the instrument, but it, overall it's a great instrument. I use part of it in my own research. 
Uh, I developed a couple skills on friendliness and, and being built up within the organization. We call it edification. Uh, those are available freely. Of course, you got to either call me or get access to the dissertation to get it. Uh, Sometimes we'll get that out other places. There's a, some, a couple other groups that have done this. There's a lot of research that actually makes this stuff available. Uh, Pargament and uh, associates, especially, there's uh, two or three instruments that measure about five or six different aspects of climate. So there's quite a few things that are there that are really easy to use, uh, really easy to set up online for anyone who's uh, tech savvy anymore. So it's a very easy free stuff that you can actually do to come in and measure climate if someone's going to trust you to actually give you the, the answers. Sure. And Mike, if there's somebody in our audience right now who's they're listening, they're watching, and they're saying, look, this is a big deal. This is something we don't want to get wrong. We want to bring you in or we want to talk with you about it. How, how could they contact you? Well, I'll just use the email, I think, should be the easiest one, uh, which I don't know if it's linked to somewhere around here or not. Uh, Mike.csb at gmail.com. That's an easy one. Uh, I can't remember the one that the university I use right now. I think it would be too complicated to spell my last name. Sure. Um, also, right now, uh, uh, contact information for Mike for uh, his uh, his Twitter handle and others are on our, our website at this point. Uh, and certainly, if you ever have any questions, Mike, is it okay if somebody contacts us uh, to put them in touch with you? Oh, yeah, that's great, yeah. But really, Twitter, really easy one. I've got, I mean, it's on my phone, so it's in my pocket all day long. So that's about all it takes. Absolutely. Well, Mike, you've given us so much to, to work off of, and we're excited to have you come back and join us uh, to give that that uh, expertise on Thursday in our nonprofit chat. That's Thursday at 4 p.m. Non hashtag nonprofit chat. We'll be uh, going through those questions from 4 p.m. to to 5 p.m. Eastern time. Certainly want to invite you in. Uh, want to remind everybody as well. Take a look at uh, www.nonprofitperformance.org. You can get a free digital issue of the December uh, issue of the magazine. Our focus in that issue is on values in the nonprofit world. We've got another one coming out uh, in March and that's going to be focusing on millennials. A lot of great content is coming together. Really, uh, Center Vision Leadership Foundation exists to educate and engage nonprofit leaders so that you can bring impact into your communities. And so that's why we're here. That's why we're talking to folks like Mike. And we certainly appreciate you coming along for the ride with us. If we can help in any way, send us an email info at Cinervision. That is S Y N E R V I S I O N leadership.org. Thank you so much for joining us for the nonprofit exchange. And we'll see you on Thursday. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.